how did you come to pick this particular subject? Okay, I just thought it was like a really, really important story that hadn't been told. And I also felt that these women and, you know, this one guy had not been recognized properly. Mm-hmm. And I also thought that the story was so huge that, you know, it could make a really incredible documentary. And again, like I said, I was just surprised it had never been um, done before. Yeah, I was watching it. I was completely shocked, too, because this seems like something that everybody would want to, you know, jump on, because apartheid, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is awful. And then, you know, all these, like, these workers, you know, 11, 11 or 12 workers and somebody who was banned, who was exiled from South Africa, just, you know, this is like, you know, Hollywood in the making. Like, oh, my God, these people, these underdogs are doing something. And it's like... Yeah, this is the I, first time ever hearing of it. Yeah, and I think and that, you know, I think the whole underdog aspect is just really important. And I think when you're making a documentary or a feature film, the bottom line is, is that people love an underdog, and they love an underdog winning. Mm. And I suppose, you know, that's really inspiring. And when it's actually true to life, when it's actually a real story, people are like, okay, oh my God, I want to be that person. Yeah. I want to be the person who's doing that. And I think it's very important for younger people to see something like this and to see that if you do decide that you want change, it can happen. Yes, that, that opening quote at the, on Margaret the black Mead, screen. Margaret yes, yeah, one of my quote. heroes. Yeah, it was a great quote. One of my quote. complete heroes. Um, what, was it, what was it like to meet uh, Desmond Tutu? Because that's I, kind of a... I didn't meet him. Oh, no, really? No, I, I, <sighs> he was the most, you know, and I don't mean this in, a, in any kind of a bad way, but right, he was a, quite a difficult interview to get. Uh-huh. So we waited months for that. And he very rarely does interviews anymore because mm-hmm. he wanted to step back from doing all the press. And he agreed to do this interview, but it was done. I'd already made a trip to South Africa, and I couldn't go back again. Oh, we just okay. didn't have the budget. So I sent over all the questions, and then he answered them oh, brilliantly. Okay. But I, I want to go to South Africa, and I want to meet him. Well, I'm sure he'd meet you after, after such a phenomenal film. Well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. What was it like finding out that your film is not only going to be screened at the Irish Film Festival, but then in New York because of what's been going on there? Well, I mean, I suppose it's interesting. Like, I really wanted to, to screen in America, especially what, uh, with what has been going on. And I, I'm, I'm actually quite excited by the reaction of the audience because I think that, you know, I wondered if it would in any way kind of touch people from the point of view of race relations, and it clearly has. Yes. And I think, you know, in, in Ireland, it's hopefully going to be used for educational reasons. And if it can be done for the same reason here, then that's absolutely brilliant. And as I said before, you know, the whole kind of, the whole notion of this being used for race relations was something that we never thought of. You know, it's not something that ever occurred to us. We were just asked by, um, you know, for it to be screened in New York for that reason. So, you know, again, we'll wait and see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, the more places we can screen in America, the better. Uh, true, very true. Um, you know, you were talking about there wasn't, you know, there, like you said, it was getting pushed around a lot. Did you meet any, you know, specific opposition to the making of the film? Or were you just met with, okay, here's where you can find everything, Here's, here's where the people are, here's what you need to do, here's your budget, or were you, like, met with... Eh. Well, it, it, took a, it took quite a while to get the film off the ground, and I think it's because it's very hard to get any film off the ground. Yes. That's just quite simply it. Um, there was no particular massive opposition to it. I mean, there's always just difficulties in making a film, mm-hmm. and they're just a general, the usual budgetary yeah. and, you know, finding the material and all that kind of thing. But in the sense of just somebody, one person... No, I mean, like, you know, we, had, we have all the big players in it, and clearly they're in it because they didn't mind being in it. So there was nobody kind of saying, I'm going to sue you if you do this. Right. <laughs> but, but, but maybe they'd feel like suing me now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, as we were talking about in the in the Q and A, Dunn kind of you know you you mentioned he he seems like a very sexist man. You know, in a way, he also in a, you know very carefully using very using this term carefully. He kind of serves as comic relief for the film because everyone's yeah. just like looking at him, and in a way, you're kind of showing the ignorance of the past with. Also, the acceptance and the logic of the past, as well as how it's coming forward, and I thought that was—I thought that was, you know, brilliant. And I was just wondering if that was done on purpose, or if that's just something that the audience is like picking up on, and it's just like a, an after-the-fact reaction. Like, wow, he actually does even an even better job for the film than I would have expected. Yeah, no, I mean, with Ben Dunn, I didn't know what to expect because I'd been told, like, he can be very chatty one day, not chatty another day, and all that kind of thing. So I was just waiting to see what person arrived. Right. So, and he was extremely chatty, and, I mean, I didn't... Like, I've, I interv- obviously, I interview everybody for the film, and I've done a lot of documentaries, and I have to say, I didn't manipulate him in any way whatsoever. <laughs> oh. He said everything that he said, and that was it. Like, there was no... And also, the one thing that I specifically did within the documentary was not to edit him. Mm. So there's very little cuts. There's very ar- little archive, because I didn't want anybody to say suggest that I had in some way manipulated what he'd said like by which you can do very easy in documentary making but I made sure that there was no editing around his interviews or as little as I possibly could to show people that what he was saying was absolutely from his own mouth and there was no power of suggestion used at all in the film he said you know when he went into the meeting with uh, I think it was was it the church Church, the church officials uh, he said you know we should lead by example and just throw all our gold away um what was it like to hear that while you're interviewing him after he said already everything else about how, no, you know, he's, you know, they can do what they want, they can do it. And then he's like, no, we'll, we'll lead by example. And then, you know, to continue going off that, at the end of the film, he's like, if they got more support, they would have done it sooner. They would have been done sooner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that Ben Dunn at the end of the day knew that, you know, one, he knew that the church were never going to throw away all their gold. Right. Because the Catholic Church is one of the richest organizations in the world, and one of the reasons they are is because they would never do anything like that. Right. If they'd it gotten more support. I mean, like, like at the end of the day, he didn't, he didn't care. Like, he was manipulating the amount of support they got anyway. Mm. You know, I mean, he was right. able to kind of tell the church to keep away from them. He was able to kind of manipulate the government. Although, you know, it's not... You know, obviously that would have been done behind closed doors. But I think that... Even if they'd got more support, he wouldn't have backed down. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no way he was going to back down. The only thing, the only thing that he backed down about was the implement, like you know, the government introducing introducing sanctions, and that's it. Right. Now that was the only way he was going to stop. And I'm pretty sure the only way the church actually started was because of Tutu. Absolutely. Being, I mean, you know, who are they more afraid of? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it would have been so embarrassing for them to be against the strike when Desmond Tutu, you know, one of the most revered men in the world and respected men in the world, was a, a, around the apartheid issue. Yeah. And if he had actually, you know, I mean, if he had known that the church were against it, he would have been the first person to say it because he wasn't shy in challenging no, anybody. No, he's. That's why he's so well, I think that's why he's so well respected. Yeah, he yeah. says what needs to be said and doesn't really care about public opinion. He says what, what his conscience says. Absolutely, absolutely.